Thank you especially for coming to the first service. Thank you for joining us online. We're really glad that, that you are. There's a very significant online congregation who's part of Destiny looking at us, not only from around Wakefield and different parts of the UK, but in different nations of the world. You are welcome. Big God bless you to you. We're starting today a short series for the four Sundays of September called Back to Church. There is an international initiative called Back to Church Sunday, which is actually the third Sunday of September. And I thought, you know what? We can do more than just do one Back to Church. We can go for a whole series. So we're going we're to have four different messages about Back to Church. The first one is today, Back to the Future. I have been thinking about, well, I parked my DeLorean back there. And I was looking around for somebody who I thought looked like a, a nutty scientist. Who could help me? Couldn't think of anybody, of course. And the next one is Back to Basics. The, the third one is Back to Church on the Back to Church Sunday. And the fourth one is Back to Worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. So four, we believe, great messages all about coming back to where God wants us to be. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Back to the Future. It came out in 1985. <clears throat> I know that was before some of you were born. And a long time after some of you were born. But in this movie, the actor Michael J. Fox plays the part of Marty McFlynn, a typical American teenager of the 80s who accidentally got sent back to 1955 in a plutonium-powered DeLorean car time machine invented by a slightly mad scientist. During the film and his often hysterical and always amazing trip back in time, Marty must make certain that his teenage parents-to-be actually meet and fall in love because that's the only way that he can get back to the future. It's a film about a son trying to change the outcome of his own life so that he could find his own future. Today we're talking about the son. Who, if you will only let him, will change the outcome of your life and give you back your future, not only for life, but also for eternity. And that future is secure, it's blessed, and it works out great. And you don't need a nutty scientist or a DeLorean car to help you to get there because Jesus says, I've come and I can sort it out and I've come to give you life in all of its fullness. Let's read, shall we, an important verse from Philippians, and we're going to read it from Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, 14. It says, and I, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, <clears throat> straining towards what is ahead. Does that sound like the future? I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is a time when we just have to say to ourselves, stop looking back and start looking forward again. We all start out looking forward in life, don't we? We look forward when you were young to being a teenager. How many of you remember that back that far? Some of you are still looking forward to being a teenager, I know. 
We look forward to completing our education. And, you know, we're so proud of all those youngsters in our church who've done GCSEs or A-levels or whatever just recently. And you've done really well. You were looking forward to that. It's looking forward. That opens the door now to go to college or university or whatever you're going to do. It's all about looking forward. We look forward to setting up home. We look forward to starting our career. We look forward to having money. We look forward to making our own decisions. We look forward to getting married. We look forward to having a family. We look forward to living happily ever after. Or so the story goes. Then life happens. And life can knock you. Sometimes I say, I went to school, I went to Bible school, and then I got into the school of knocks. Tried to knock you down, knock you off, knock you off, knock you off balance. We make some mistakes, and it hurts us. We meet some people who treat us badly, and that hurts us. And soon we're starting to think more about surviving than we do about thriving. We start to look in our rearview mirror of our DeLorean, and we think about uh, what it was like in the past. We talk about the old days and old friends, and we repaint. I've done it many times. We repaint those old days in bright colors and make sometimes the old days seem much better than they actually were when we were living in them. We start to be fearful of the future. Why? Because we're afraid of the future. Because actually in our rearview mirror, there's a few things that didn't quite well work out. So we got disappointed. We put our trust in people and they disappointed us. And you know, and what that does to us then, we start to judge people quite harshly. Sometimes we're ready to judge somebody else with a harder judge, a stronger judge than we would even judge ourselves. We make them a scapegoat for why we are not living with our future and coming back to the future, but why we're trapped in our now and in our past and we lose heart. We lose our way. We settle for something much less than what we set out to, to start off for. What a terrible sermon this is. <laughs> Say with me, but. But. Jesus, the Son came to make a way for us to get back on track. Back to the future is all about getting back on track. And God is inviting you today to give Him the disappointments that hurt you. He's inviting you to give to Him the situations that didn't turn out quite right. He's inviting you to give to him, the people who let you down, said hurtful things about you, bring it all to God today because dwelling on those things will not help you to get back to the future. They'll only keep dragging you into your past. Give Him your broken dreams. Give Him your hopes that you feel have failed. Give Him those, all of that stuff in life that makes you feel like if only. I want to tell you something. Your best days are still ahead of you. And you as an individual, you as a family, and your marriage, us as a church, our best days can be ahead of us because God wants to take us to put our eyes back on the future, back on God, and not our eyes all the time thinking about yesterday and how that didn't turn out so well, maybe. Jesus one day was talking about uh, giving your life for something and and putting your life down for something. And then suddenly in the middle of him talking about life, he says just these three words, and he doesn't say anything else about the whole story. But in Luke chapter 17, verse 13, he says this, Remember Lot's wife. And then he carried on with this story. Now, that story about Lot's wife must have been so impressed in the minds of everybody. He didn't need to tell the whole story. 
You know, I mean, in our day, it might be, remember Donald Trump. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, I remember all of that. Or it might be, remember the pandemic. And we go, you don't need to say anything else. I got the whole story. And this must have been what it was like for Jesus, talking to the people he was talking. And all as he said is, remember Lot's wife. He didn't say anything else. But Lot's wife became one of those women who looked through her rear view mirror instead of walking forward into and following the plan that God had got for her. She was married to, we don't know her name, but she was married to a guy called Lot. <clears throat> and Lot was one of Abraham's relatives who had, and you can read the whole story in Genesis 19, we'll read a little bit of it in a minute, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, and Lot, <clears throat> along with all the rest of the other people that were, carry, uh, were traveling with him, they set off looking to the future. They went in search. The Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10 says this, they were looking forward. That's future, isn't it? Say forward. Don't look back, Luke. Don't look back, Luke. Tell yourself again, I should not keep looking back. I need to look. Abraham and Sarah and Lot, they looked forward to a city whose foundations and architect and builder is God. Now, somewhere on that journey, Lot decided he chose to settle somewhere else. He didn't carry on the journey with Abraham. We're not going to go into all of that bit of the story. But as they were passing near to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot decided that's where he wanted to go and live. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah, these, those are two cities. Actually, they ended up being five of the cities that got destroyed in the story that you know is coming. Uh, this was definitely not a city whose architect and builder was God. This was a rich city. It was a merry city. It was a sinful city. In fact, it was a really sinful city. This is not the sort of place that you want to go and live in. You know, sometimes we produce, don't we, the worst city in the country to live in. I tell you, the worst place to be in is where God hasn't wanted to plant you. And the best place to be in is where God has planted you. And, you know, I'm really glad to be in Wakefield today. I'm glad that you are wherever it is that you're watching me today. I'm glad to be in Destiny Church in Wakefield today because this is what God's plan was for me and for you. Thank you for being here. You know, we are so grateful for you being here and people who will be in our second service as well. But it looked attractive. And maybe Lot was lured by the bright lights. Maybe he thought, let's come here. This is an established city. Who knows where Uncle Abraham is going to end up? We might end up having to start a, a brand new city somewhere and do it. And, and he had not fully understood what Abraham's vision, understanding from God was. He had not, he'd followed Uncle Abraham, but he hadn't got it. Or else he would have never gone to live in Sodom and Gomorrah important, isn't it, that we learn how to make godly choices in our life. It seems like he, he met his wife there. She would have been a city girl, perhaps a party girl, but things were getting way out of hand in that city. Be careful where you live. Be careful who you spend your time with. Be careful to do what God wants you to do, to be where God wants you to be, because Sodom was about to go down. But before God was going to bring judgment on this place, He provided a way of salvation. He always does, doesn't He? 
I want to tell you something. You might feel like you're in a tough place right now. God will make a way of escape for you. That's what the Bible says. God will always provide for you. It's not just a back door out. He's going to provide for you a way through the difficulty into the blessings that God has got for you in your what? Future. Say future. He always provides a way. And God made a way for Lot and his family to escape. It was a terrible situation. But God was about to make a way for them to be able to escape the godlessness, the sinfulness of Sodom. And so he sent two angels. And the angels came and spoke to Lot and his daughters and his Lot's wife. And they came and said, you've got to get out of here. Let's read a little bit of the story out of Genesis chapter 19 and verse 15. It says, and the angels urged Lot. The word urged is quite a strong word, isn't it? That he, he gave them a talk. You have got to get out of here. Hurry up. Take your wife. Take your two daughters who are here or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Get out of Sodom. The next verse in verse 16 when he hesitated, this is Lot and the family, they hesitated. It's like, you know when God says something to you and me, why do we hesitate? Well, it's difficult sometimes. It's quite a challenge, isn't it? You know, when Jesus starts to speak to us and he says, do this, do that. We, we, we hesitate and maybe Lot's wife was real part of his hesitating. Maybe she <clears throat> talked to him you know, in the back room and said, I'm not coming out of that. I'm not doing that. I can't do this. We can't do that. We can't. And gave you all the reasons. I don't know what the story is, but you can imagine the conversations that went on in that house when it's like, leave here now, family, house, familiarity, where we are. No way. We're not for going. So in verse 16, it says, when he hesitated, the men, that's the angels, grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his daughters and led them safely out of the city. So he grabbed them by the hand, he led them, he pulled them through the city, and off they went into a place of safety. That's what the Bible says, led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was, that's what it says, merciful to them. Now, the angels just gave them some guidance and said this. It's in the verse there, verse 17. It says, don't look back. Oh, we've got to get back to the future. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere on the plain. Uh, flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. So the picture of this is don't look back and don't stay just outside of the trouble area on the plain. Keep going and keep going until you go to the mountain. And the mountain in the Bible is often talked about, you know, we look to the mountains where our salvation comes from. Mountains often are pictures of the safety and the security that God gives to us. And then this happened. Genesis 19, 26. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. It's like, whoa, what happened here? What's going on? Let's try and unpack the backstory, or as the backstory as I can imagine it at least. She'd associated for, with Sodom for a long time. It was home. It was all she ever knew. This was sadly where her heart was. 
Her friends were there. She'd not understood the vision that Uncle Abraham had. And maybe Lot had never really done a good job of telling her about it. She actually liked all the pleasure and the merriment and turned maybe one blind eye to all the sinfulness that was going on. She had not understood what made Abraham tick when he was looking for a city whose builder and architect and maker was God. Whatever. She decided when she was on her way out, looking at the plain and the mountains, thinking like, I'm not sure I belong there, I belong there. And she looked back, and her future was gone in a moment. No wonder Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife got the full judgment of God that they knew was coming, and it talks about fire and brimstone. Now, that means sulfur, basically. It rained down, came down. And by the way, that region now, if you've ever been to that region, uh, it's called the Dead Sea. And it's still dead. And that whole region became the Dead Sea. Sodom and Gomorrah, plus those other towns that were there. And it's a huge area of desolate landscape, reminding us all that actually when God says, I'll bring judgment, God will do it. And when God says, I'll bring mercy, God will do it. He's a God who keeps his promises for good or, if we're on the wrong side of it, for bad. It's only by grace and responding to the will of God that we stay safe. When you respond, when I respond to God's leading to say, this is the way, walk you in it, and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, we can say, God, even though I come through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod works. God is with us. If on the other hand we say, no, I'm not going to go your way, I'm going to go another way, You're, you are on your own. You know, God, God's blessings are there, and it's triggered by obedience. And Lot's wife didn't understand Remember Lot's wife. Now, if I were to finish the sermon there, that's a little bit of a dull place to finish the sermon, isn't it? On the brighter side, there are some incredible verses in the Bible about believing for the future. And you can, could you imagine what it would have been like for Lot's wife if she'd have just obeyed? You imagine what it would have been like for Lot? You know, there's quite a bit of trouble in the story ahead for those guys that comes after this. It would have been so much better if they'd have only just chosen to live and do what God had, gone, uh, had asked them to do, to be, get back to looking to the future rather than looking back to the past. Proverbs 23, 18 says this, There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. No matter what has happened in the days that have gone by for you in your rearview mirror, I want to tell you something. God has got a future for you. He's got a plan for you. He's, got a, he's making a way for you. And just like the angels came to Lot and his wife and family and said, this is the way. Come and walk and don't stop in the plain. Keep going to the mountain of the Lord. God is saying to you and me today, you don't need to look back anymore. You might have got hurt somewhere. You might have made some mistakes. Some other people might have really put the boot in on you. The devil might have had a good go at you. It's okay. God has made a way for you to come out. And God has made a way for you to have hope and a future. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 11, 
We quote this verse very often. It says, for I know, the Bible says, Jesus, God knows the plans that He has for us, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God's plan for you is not for you to, to, to meet a hopeless end, but to have an endless hope. God's plan for you is not for you to get worse and worse and, you know, and fizzle out. God's plan for you is to go well for you, and you'll prosper, and you'll be in health, and you'll know success. That's the promise of the Word of God. I know some people don't like it when I preach, not you, but I mean other people who might watch on somewhere. They don't like it when we preach such a positive gospel. You know the word gospel means good news? Whenever you read this, it is that if you will follow God, if you will obey Him, if you will respond to Him, if you will believe Him, He's going to cause it all to work together for good. He came to give us life and all of its abundance. Oh, and by the way, when it's all done and over, there's a place for us, prepared for us in heaven. I think that's good news. And I'm not going to stop preaching good news. God says He's going to give us hope and the future. Job, do you remember him in the Old Testament? I haven't got time to go into his story. Man, it all happened to him. But he kept looking. He didn't look back. He looked to the future. Back to the future. Joseph, in prison, forsaken, forgotten, thought all his life is like going to end up in a prison, and yet he had this dream about what God was going to do with him. But he kept something alive in his heart, and he refused to look back. He, he only believed to look to the future, back to the future, and Joseph came, became the prime minister of Egypt, and fulfilled his vision. Peter, Peter in the New Testament, he was tempted after the death of Jesus to go and look back for a little while, and he went back fishing. It didn't work out very well, and he must have said to himself, I can't even make my old life work anymore. And then he heard Jesus from the shore saying, and it spoke to him and said, recommissioned him and said, now go and feed my lambs. And Peter was back to his future. Don't let anybody or anything talk you out of the future that God has planned for you. Don't let them do it. Don't let yourself talk you out of that. Don't talk yourself out of the promises of God. Don't let anybody else talk you out of the promises of God. If God has said it concerning you, then it is truth. You can believe it, and you can get back on track, back to the future for your life, back to the future for our church, back to the future for everything that goes on around you, because God has got plans for us that are incredible. Amen? Amen. So let me just wrap this up and say now, these are five little statements I want to give to you. Back to the future is about getting back on track. I don't know where you got off on track. You maybe, maybe you derailed or maybe you took a sidetrack. You know, wherever the, if that's not completely in the will of God, get back to your future. Number two, get back to the future is about coming to God. And letting Him rekindle the fire in your heart. Maybe it went out. Maybe you became sad. Maybe you became critical. Maybe you became a bit flat. Maybe you stopped serving. Maybe you stopped worshiping. Maybe you, you're just doing it. You know, God says, come back to me and we'll get you back on track. By the way, I'm going to breathe new life in you. I'm going to come and rekindle something in your heart. God wants to set you on fire. My brother, my sister, me too, in these days of getting back to our future. Number three, getting back to the future is about faith. And obedience. The lesson, remember Lot's wife, the lesson in the middle of that is whatever he says to you, do, do it. If you don't and you look back, then you're going to end up <laughs> as a pillar of salt. Number four, back to the future is about dreaming and seeing visions again, even in your old age. 
Why should we stop dreaming? Why should we stop believing? You know, there's been times in my life when I've stopped believing, when I've stopped dreaming, when I, I couldn't see anything. It was like a brick wall right in front of me, and I'm saying, oh God, there's no future, there's no hope. And you have to sometimes kick that wall down and say, no way, I'm not going to get trapped because God said I'm not trapped. God says I can have a great and blessed and so can you future because you can get back to the future. Back to the future, number five, is about turnaround. You know, sometimes we lose. Maybe you lost something in the time that you, you were not responding to God in the way that we… Maybe you lost money. Maybe you lost time. Maybe you lost relationships. Maybe you lost… You know, God wants to restore back the years, the Bible says, that have, that have been stolen from you. Sometimes He doesn't always restore back the exact thing that you lost, but he, st he restores back to you more things than you ever did lost in a different way. He is no man's debtor. God wants to restore to you. He wants to restore to you health. He wants to restore to you life. He wants to restore to you joy. He wants to restore to you peace. He wants to restore to you such an abundance of His blessings so that you are able to say, I am blessed of the Lord. That's why Jesus died on a cross for you. That's why Jesus said, I've come so that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness. It's because He wants to restore back to you. Restore back what was lost. Restore back what we had when we were looking through our rearview mirror and rescue us before we become a man or a woman of, of salt. God wants His church to find that new passion. You know, sometimes churches, they give themselves to preserving religious traditions but I tell you something, I just want to serve a living God and build a living church and see lives changed. I'm not so much bothered about, well, we've got to do this because it's tradition. Who cares about tradition? I'm a, I do care about the Word of God, and I do care about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I do care about the plan of God in our lives. I do care that actually we end up, I do care that in the end, when I've finished all, that I will have run the race well and finished the course, and, and God has as God is pleased with us. Church needs to dream again. You need to dream again. I need to dream again. We need to believe God for revival. Start to dream about what it's going to be like as God does something incredible. The Times newspaper this last week, I don't know if you saw it on the front page of the Times, and I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, last, last week, uh, gave some report about a big, big survey that had been done about clergymen. They didn't ask me. Uh, but the big percentage of those clergymen, 57% of those clergymen, said that they didn't believe that the UK would have an active church in 10 years' time. They said that there was no hope for the church. That's what they said. That's what they believed. 57% of the survey that came back. Well, I'm not one of them. I just want you to know that. I'm not looking back. And we're not one of them either. We're believing for the future. We're believing for God that what God said He would do, He would do, because if you take that away from this, then you're in doubt land, and I'm in faith land today. I'm in a place where I say, whatever He said, He's going to do it. His, His Word is going to go out. He's going to fulfill what He said He was going to fulfill. We're going to do what God tells us. We're going to fulfill what God has told us that we can do as well. Do you remember? We're going to fulfill what we've been taken hold of. Brothers, I don't myself yet having... Uh, I'm not fulfilled everything I've been taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Stop looking in the rearview mirror. Straining towards what is ahead. That's the future. We press on to win the goal for the prize for which God has called us heavenwards. Hallelujah. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. 
A time is to come before God and say, through it all, despite it all sometimes, I've decided that I am going to serve God and I'm going to keep looking through the front windscreen. You know, Marty McFlynn, he, he went zooming off on a DeLorean. Well, we don't have one of the, those, but what we can do is come to God and we can say, this is my desire. This is what I'm going to do. We're going to honor Him. We're going to serve Him. We're going to live for Him. Maybe you need to put at the foot of the cross some of the disappointments of yesterday. Maybe you need to put at the foot of the cross some of the people that you're so angry with because they seem to rob you, speak ill of you. Give them to God. Or else those naughty people will tie you up. You don't need to be tied when God says, I'm giving you hope and the future. Maybe you've never even come to a place where you trusted Jesus to be your Savior. This could be your day. It would be your day to come and say to Jesus, I, I want to become a Christian. If that's you today, then in a moment I'm going to pray, and I'm praying for you while I pray that prayer. And then at the end of the service, why don't you come and talk to me or one of my team? Or send me an email, ian at destinychurch.co.uk. You, you might be sitting at home and you're saying, I want to become a Christian. Well, you can. Send me an email, ian at destinychurch.co.uk. We'll send you something back that says, so you want to be a Christian? It's the greatest decision of life, isn't it? But to every one of you who is a believer, don't look back. Stop looking back. Let's come back to the future hope. Look forward. God's got great plans for you. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me just for a moment? Just wherever you are in the building, may even be at home, you're joining us as well. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your grace. Thank you for pro providing for us an opportunity to escape the judgment of God. Help us to remember Lot's wife. To not look back and to put our lives and our futures in the hands of a good, good God. And today we say to you, Lord, this is our desire. In Jesus' name. Amen.